The Rates Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. Download their top-rated app and sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook by using promo code RTRS. Brought to you by LL Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rates Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Get yours at bigbarker.com slash Ricky, and that way you get the process pup patch. And uh, Kinetic Skateboarding. Get 9.1% off your first order with promo code Dave Silver. On the show today, Joel Embiid is a dad. We'll talk about Joel Embiid being a dad and also what might have happened had the Sixers still been playing right now if, and Joel Embiid left for a week uh, for the birth of his child. I can only imagine the takes. Uh, we'll also announce the winner of the contest for the Embiid Ones. The standing versus sitting controversy rages on. More reaction to this than anything we've ever done, maybe. Um, the absurd, stupid James Harden, Mike D'Antoni rumor. Honestly, so many mailbag questions, uh, we need to get through those. And right before the pod, somebody sent me a podcast with uh, Keith Williams, Mark Alfaltz's um, <laughs> uh, old trainer, or still trainer. And there was a quote that I didn't even hear yet, so I just paused it so we could listen to it together. So we'll do that. Uh, before we get going, there is a Ricky YouTube channel where you can uh, watch full shows and clips of shows. If you don't want to watch the full show, thank you to CJ for helping us out with, uh, with making those videos look better than I could do. Uh, so just search Right Streaky Sanchez on YouTube. And thank you to Carolina and Will, who sent me this uh, T-shirt of her band Swerves, which is very fun. Uh, reminds me of uh, cool, like sort of uh, dirty 90s uh, alternative rock. And they have an EP. She, she, she slash they have an EP called Drunk Texts. It's on Spotify, and it's good. I love it. So you should go check it out. Uh, thanks, guys. Without any further ado, Amos and the Chef. Larry, sweetie, the man is here. Whoa. We will write y'all. Welcome to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Gaskin, along with a guy who will be a university's keynote speaker this spring. That is Mike Levin. Any comment? <laughs> I don't know why, but they asked us. Yeah, we're, we're going to, I haven't even asked um, if we can, like, I, I got I to tell the guy, I don't want to give out anything, but we did get an email from a respected university asking us to speak at one of as keynote speakers of one of their events it should be noted that it is not in philadelphia or even close to philadelphia no 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 which uh it definitely should be it is closer to you than me but by a, by a long shot so yeah uh, we will i will talk to the gentleman who asked us and we're, we're obviously going to have to share our experience on the pod maybe get him on to talk about why 
<laughs> That'll be exciting. Very exciting. I feel like I haven't done a, to your, um, to your pleasure, I haven't done an Apple podcast review in a while. So, mm. sorry. Uh, give us five stars on Apple podcast. We're at uh, 2,745. When we get to 3,000, I do a pod reading numbers 2,000 to 3,000. I've done two of those so far. Um, and it's brought to you by Kinetic Skateboarding because we're not going to do an AU thing today. Um, uh, really cool, like snakeskin looking New Balance on the uh, on the Kinetic Skateboarding Instagram, and uh, brand new hoodies. It's hoodie weather. So go to kineticskateboarding.com. Use promo code uh, nine point no promo code Dave Silver for nine point one percent off your first order. Um, here is the review. Um, Just like many teenagers around the world, I was exposed to the NBA and its magic through Michael Jordan and the Dream Team. I saw John Paxson sink that three-pointer to kill Sir Charles' best shot at a championship, and I was hooked for life. Years later, as a grown man, I moved to Philadelphia and therefore cursed with being a Sixers fan, but I discovered that I am not alone. There are others that suffer like me and help carry the load, and that we have a voice, and the voice is these two dudes who really care about the organization but maybe need to chill a little bit with the sponsors." <laughs> and are about to embark on their most important mission to make sure this whole front office who got the best odds to win since uh, Rain Man walked into a casino go and get replaced with better people. So in order to complete this process, I give them five stars. Uh, and he was from, he's from Israel, this, uh, this listener, who then moved to Philadelphia. So thank you. Uh, nobody in the front office has been replaced as of now. Still in the same sort of position we've been in for the last five weeks. So do we... I mean, at what point do we, um, what if they don't replace anybody? What yeah. I mean, do we, do we give up or do we like let them win? Do well, we just like accept the idea that, that they just, you know, crashed the Titanic and are pretending that they're still sailing normally? Well, we did get an interesting email from one of our listeners in Russia who basically called us lazy for not doing more than we're doing and suggested that he could get the email addresses from anybody that we want so we could tell them to do something. Players, <laughs> people in the organization. That's right. We're just, we're, we're, we're just a few email addresses away from picking a team. High-ranking officials. It was a great email. I wrote them back, and I was, I, I was like, are you suggesting we could interfere with the Sixers front office uh, using a Russian agent? And he basically apologized for the entire email. Uh, I I don't know what if they don't do anything. I I like, I like it. It feels it's you know given the time in the country, it feels like a weird thing to like. I'm not gonna march on the fucking Camden no, facility. No, no, that feels like that would be uh, a little out of touch. Right. I I I'm, I'm fine with a. I, I could certainly purchase another billboard near the Wells Fargo Center, just completely embarrassing them. Um, we could. I, I, like, I was thinking about it this week. I was thinking, like, man, if this gets any worse, and it could, it, it probably will, I, what am I cheering for anymore? Like, I, I feel like I would have far more energy to cheer to embarrass them than, than like, the team. Like, I'm, I'm fine with all the players, and I, obviously we love Joel and, and all that kind of stuff, but I, I just, like, I, there, there will be a part of me that will want it to get worse for them to like punish them for as, as poorly as they've done it. That, that's right. all on, that, that on, on some level, we've always felt that <laughs> right. on some level prior to this podcast, back in my time at Liberty ballers and all the way through, I mean, with, with the exception of like what really was a 
two-and-a-half-year blip. Mm-hmm. We've rooted against this team or begrudgingly rooted for them. Um, I wish they weren't this way. Mm-hmm. I wish that they, I mean, what an embarrassment. Like, what, I don't know. Like, if you were doing something that, like, everyone was making fun of you for, you would think you'd be like, I should probably change that. Right. I mean, it's not like we're, like, making fun of, hey, you have your own style and the way that you dress is weird. Although we actually did that, do that with, with Brian. But mm-hmm. that wasn't the main <laughs> issue. It's not like and service level. We continue level. to do it. We right. Continue. It's like saying, hey, you are, you, your personality is defective and you keep fucking up. So you should, like, see someone about that and be less of a nightmare to everyone around you. I, I sort of wonder whether, obviously, a front office and an ownership can't just do anything that the fans want because that that ends up bad too. You could port to other sports organizations that try to like sign people based on who the fans want and, and all that. I, I That I understand. But I would say that the noise on this, on like, on the message that you're sending now or that we've sent about the front office and O'Neill and all that stuff, it's pretty loud because it's not just us. Like there are a lot of people who listen and then people who are in the community. I, here's the only thing I wonder is like, have they even considered this? <laughs> like I, I, I even know, I even know that there are like agent type people and that who, who have expressed concern with how the organization is run. And I just wonder like, what are they doing? Did, like at any point, does Josh Harris, somebody told me, I wrote a, a column like a month ago, like the Sixers are a 50 win disaster. And I just went through all the things they did wrong. And I was assured by somebody that Josh Harris had read and begrudgingly agreed with much of what I wrote. So I, mm. it, it is amazing to me that they could be aware of something that is definitely right. Like we're definitely right on this one. We're de- we're not always right. We're de- you know, but on this one, I think we're right, and just not do anything about it. That's what's strange to me. Yeah, I mean, it's not like it's a personnel thing. It's not like mm-hmm. us saying, Draft "Hey, this you guy. have to." Yeah, you. I mean, one specific thing like you have to trade Tobias mm-hmm. for anything. Like it's not one move like that. Mm-hmm. It is, hey, your organization for years now, over and over again, is laughably incompetent Mm -hmm. and everyone thinks you're a joke and you've gotten totally punked by rival teams multiple times in every article that anybody writes about the Sixers they talk about how fucked up the front office is Mm -hmm. and how the management structure is is just vague and muddy and I mean since this since they these owners got there like, has anyone gotten fired or have they just gotten, like, yeah, an it, office in, you know, the Philippines? It's like, just it, Brett. It, it's just it's Brett. A, it's just Brett. Brett's the only person who's gotten fired. Um, everyone else has gotten, like, a nice little parachute into an adv- advisory committee. Uh, yeah, everyone's had to resign. Everyone's sure. resigned or left or they've made it so annoying for them that they've left. I, yeah, it's. At this point, I just feel bad for them. Like, what's wrong with you? Right. Yes. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? You should not want this. This should not be the goal. And to have, there's a lot of things in life that you don't have power over 
and you're sitting around being like, ah, I wish I could do this, or like, ah, oh, you know, I'm doing my part, but other people aren't, whether that's like, you know, climate change or wearing a mask or any number of significantly more important issue. But if you run the Sixers, you can change the front office. That is well within your thing. Mm -hmm. You can do that. That'd be like me sitting here and being like, ah, I don't like my bedspread. And I just sit here and everyone makes fun of me because my bedspread is like, I don't know, a bunch of dollar bills. Yeah. With like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like. Your old Ted DiBiase bedspread. Yeah, it's my Ted DiBiase bedspread and there's like, you know, like 68-year-old women like lying on it. I'm like, ah, oh, I can't do anything about this. Ah, it's embarrassing. I wish. You could do something about it. Change your bedspread. Fire someone. Yeah, it's it's shocking. Uh, well, I guess it's not all that surprising, but it is it is embarrassing. And to your point about everyone who writes about them writes this way, you are talking about writers who are getting leaks from the front office, like like who are invested in writing positive, like who basically have to trade, you know, positive uh, writing for information. Like who specifically? Well, anybody who writes about them, like Keith, Keith Pompey, is sure. obviously getting it from front office people and, and obviously has trashed them. Like, to his credit, in the same article where he's using information that came from the front office, he's going, and nobody knows what the fuck they're doing. Um, like, to uh, Shams, to Mark Stein, to, to anybody who write to, uh, to Kyle Newbeck, to Derek. Like, there's nobody who writes about the Sixers and has wrote about how they're fucked up who isn't occasionally getting information from the front office and has yeah. decided, I, I, whatever, you know? I don't know. It's It's horrifying. Yeah, because it seems like at this point, the re and the reason why it feels, you start to feel the wave of like, I guess this is just what they want to do, mm -hmm. um, is that the Mike D'Antoni stuff looks more real than ever. Um, I, I and guess. there was a, what? Well, I guess, or if it, they would just sign him, is, is the weird part to me, is that like, this is obviously strategic in some way and I can't figure out why like mm -hmm. I can't figure out if it's to threaten Ty Lue to take less money I can't tell whether it's the Brian Colangelo segment trying to like gain positive traction on D'Antoni so they're forced to stay because everybody wants D'Antoni like <laughs> I, I, I I'm, I'm being honest with you if it, like all they have to do if D'Antoni wants to come here and they want him all they have to do is pay him like, it would just sure. be over. It's like Billy Donovan's coaching somewhere. It would just be mm -hmm. over. So that that's why the whole yeah. thing's a little fishy to me. There's that's a lot of teams that still haven't signed anybody, especially because, like, the status of next season is still up in the air as far as when that would start. And maybe they just want to be like, well, what's the rush? I guess. We know we have him. I don't know. And maybe there's maybe he's on vacation. Like, who who genuinely knows? But it seems at least the drumbeat is getting louder and louder. Yes. And okay. then there was Sorry that very bizarre... John Clark report that uh, James Harden <laughs> could be coming as well. Um, and uh, yeah, I heard I heard something similar. I don't know. It's, it's fucking bizarre. insane. It's, it's, it does seem insane. It yeah. does seem insane. He's going like, to come what? in three years when his contract's up? What are we talking well, I, about? Well, the, the, the word, <laughs> the whispers that I got, I don't, I don't hear anything of real value from, I, everything I hear is like third hand of people right. that actually do this stuff. Um, but it's like, 
it'd be a tr- it'd be a trade situation because of the um, how much Tillman Fertitta, who who owns the Rockets, uh, wants to like shed salary and pay less for the team. I guess, but there's yeah, no, there. I feel I look, I feel yeah. you, um, but I don't, yeah, I don't. I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, James Harden only wants to play with fucking Mike D'Antoni? Like, that's, yeah. that's uh, I don't. Uh, you would want Harden, right? Is yes. In a world? Yes. Okay. I, in a second. I mean, wouldn't you? Yes. He's would, you the, trade him, would you trade Embiid for Harden? Yeah, but I don't think it's the right. Like, I, I think Ben is the right thing to trade for Harden. I think, like, the the one thing that Harden has not had and we've seen like we've seen the split, right? We've seen the rim running center with Harden, with Clint Capella, who couldn't do anything but dunk and play defense. And we've seen the no center um, thing with Harden, like with Covington. And it's a guy that can shoot, but um, isn't a rim runner or anything like that. But we have not seen Joel Embiid with Harden, and I think it it it's really sort of a perfect match to play a not have to do what they were doing, you know, not have to just run isolations over and over and over again. Um, and somebody who can distribute the ball and shoot. I mean, I think Ben's the the more obvious choice because putting someone on the floor with Harden who can't shoot, I, I don't know. Right. It, just, it seems like better to have, I don't, and who isn't a rim runner, like Simmons isn't, and I doubt he would decide to become one. Yeah, so, neither does Embiid, though. No, but he's still seven feet, two seventy-five, yeah, or whatever he is. So. The, there was a the conversation I had was it might not be for either Embiid or Simmons. <laughs> so I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. It seems it seems like totally. Well, he makes forty million dollars. Who are we trading for him? Yeah. I don't know. It seems there's I, there's not that many people that it could it could be, but I. Uh, if somebody has like a a, a non guaranteed forty million dollar contract that can just expire, <laughs> I I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. I would say that uh, um, there was a video. I think it was from our good friend Kevin O'Connor. Yeah. Um, who talked about what Harden looked like in? And it's weird we're even talking about Harden as if this is possible, but why not? It's the off season. Um, who looked at like how he's played. With Houston and how D'Antoni used him in Houston versus how he was used in Oklahoma City. Obviously, mm-hmm. in Oklahoma City, he was kind of like a sixth man there for, for a lot of his time. He was literally a sixth man. Yeah. And I, he used him. He was off ball a lot. He mm-hmm. was like running around screens a lot more. And if you watch Houston play basketball, he doesn't move at all. No. Like, he moves less than anyone that's ever existed on a basketball court. Like, yeah. when he has the ball in his hands, obviously, he is doing a lot with it. He is, you know, they traded Clint Capella so they could even avoid pick and roll, so it's just isolation. Um, You know, he drives and kicks, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not saying he doesn't, like, try. I'm saying that when the ball is not in his hands, he is standing there often Mm -hmm. 30 or 40 feet away from the basket. And uh, that's an odd choice. I wonder if that's a D'Antoni thing or a Harden thing or just, like, a conserve energy thing. Um, I wouldn't want that. Here, I would love to, if if that were to happen, I would love to see him like actually, you know, yeah, move I, around a little. I um, actually think the way that Houston played is is a v- very combination between D'Antoni Harden and Maury. Like I, I think they are. I think what they did was say, if we do this, the numbers say that 
we have our best chance of winning, even if it will fail 85% of the time, it gives us a 15% chance to beat the best team. Um, I like that is what that is my guess is that they because he talks about that every once in a while, Maury, like in retrospect, when they the, the years that Golden State won, he'll say like, well, we had a 22 percent chance of winning of beating them that year. Like So my guess is that that is it doesn't look like what D'Antoni has done in the past all that much. It doesn't move as much. It's slow. It's like it doesn't involve pick and roll, which most of what D'Antoni did before. So I would guess that the offense would move more. That would yeah. be my guess. You know? There was a uh, there's an article from our other good friend, Mike O'Connor. The better of um, About what D'Antoni would look like. Uh, or what what the Sixers players would look like under a D'Antoni system, and mm-hmm. what he would ask them to do more. And I thought that was interesting. It's on the Right to Ricky Sanchez website. Um, it's in it's in it's intriguing to think about, you know, the polar opposite. You know, the Sixers and the Rockets. I wouldn't say they're polar opposites actually, because I would that that the Sixers had almost no movement and nothing. And the Rockets also had very little movement, but at least a lot of shooting. And so yeah. I, w- I wonder, D'Antoni's never really had, I mean, I guess you could say kind of Carmelo in New York, kind of Amari in Phoenix, although he didn't do it much. Maybe Dwight in L.A., which obviously was a nightmare. He's never had like a good post-up big man. No. Um, and so I would, won- I would wonder what... Uh, what Embiid would look like under him, and Mike made the point, Mike O'Connor, was that he'd be passing a lot more out of the post, and they would hope there would be more actions benefiting uh, movement and finding easier looks and, and getting Embiid into a, a more of a facilitator from that spot, which I would always have always wanted. Um, before we get into, speaking of Embiid, we'll get into uh, the baby and, um, we'll get into the baby, get into the baby and the, uh, the winner of the shoes. We'll talk about the original sponsor of the rights, Ricky Sanchez podcast, LL Pavorsky jeweler, um, LL and big Barker are sponsors of the, uh, bark in the park team. We are now one month away. So we're trying to raise 10 grand for the Providence animal center. We are at $5,036, about 45 team members. So sign up for the team, raise 50 bucks. You get the t-shirt and then uh, help us raise $10,000. Just go to uh, rightstrickysanchez.com. Thanks to LL for buying the shirts, LL and Big Barker. Speaking of LL, there's been, he hasn't given us updates, and I got a text from him the other day. First of all, we're right at the four-year anniversary of LL becoming the original sponsor of the Ricky. Wow. And we are at 198 rings. So to rights to Ricky Sanchez. Who's going to be 200? Who's going to be 200? Who's going to start to stretch themselves and be like, eh, we've been dating for... And almost a year and a half. I I want to be that two hundredth ring. Yeah, I, I I don't even know what to award them. I I offered to marry the the hundred ring couple. He he didn't really want it. That um, seemed yeah. It seemed like everyone has declined your no, invitation. It, no no no. I, I mean I did marry a couple. I did. Did you? Yes. I thought wasn't there the one that that you were supposed to, and then they like never called you back. Well, the, no. So those were the the the. Um, the couple that got engaged at the lottery party, uh, uh, I don't want to say their names. I don't want to like push to their social media or anything. But they asked me, 
But then they never got married, and now they're not even together anymore. Oh, well. Yeah, so. A good, a good choice then. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But no, I, I did marry a couple at a wedding, dressed up in a suit. I did a good job, all that kind of stuff, prepared. Oh, right. I nervous. do remember that. Yeah. Do you take responsibility for that couple not ending up together? The the first couple? Yeah. No. <laughs> Why? The idea that they're like, if we get married, we have to ask Spike. We said it in a no. moment of weakness. No. And honestly, it's just better to break up than have to tell Spike now. There was always something fishy about that couple. Not about them as people, but that couple. I'll go. Wow. I, look, you could you could you could ask LL. Fishy. I, I, I'm just telling you. You could ask LL. I was like, right after it happened, I was like. They were a little confident when I put them in front of 3,000 people to do this. Like, I don't know. Like, I've never <laughs> seen them before. Anyway, uh, LL is the original sponsor of the Reiki. 198 uh, Reiki listeners have purchased engagement rings. Not just engagement rings, anything. Uh, well, not anything, but jewelry. He's your guy. Um, our, our, a trusted, great person um, supports our charities and also uh, sells great jewelry at a good price and doesn't pressure you. You go into the store, it's like totally relaxed. If you want to go into the store, it's by appointment only right now, obviously, so he can socially distant and make it safe. Um, he can do the appointments online as well. Just reach out to him, 215-627-2252 or lee at llpavorsky.com. Uh, LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Get engaged with the ring from LL and then have the validity of your relationship questioned on a podcast. <laughs> that is the deal. That is the deal. Um, so uh, speaking of, uh, uh, I guess, relationships, out of nowhere, Joel Embiid on Instagram uh, two nights ago posts a photo of him and a baby mm -hmm. uh, born on the 17th of September. Arthur, Elijah, DePaula, Embiid, a uh, child with him and his longtime girlfriend, uh, Anna DePaula, uh, named after his brother, Arthur, who was killed in a drunk driving accident um, when he was 13 years old, I believe. Born on the 17th. Uh, when, so Arthur, when Arthur was 13, when Embiid when was. When Arthur was 13, few, correct. When yeah. Embiid was a rookie year in his second year. Yeah, Embiid was here. Um, so congratulations. I, there were like no hints around this ever. I mean, I hadn't heard anything, had you? No, not at all. I'm yeah. always so surprised by how things are kept secret. Right. It seems like nothing is a secret. I guess, yeah. Nothing yeah. is a secret and then something like major this. things are secrets. And they talk about, like, there's, I think there's all these, there's all these open secrets in the NBA about how, like, who hates who mm -hmm. uh, and that kind of thing. But it doesn't really leak out much. And now there's a pregnant, like, it's all, I don't know how it happens. These people... It's pretty impressive, the the lid people keep on things. Well, I had a bunch of people had asked me over the last six to ten months, I would say, nine, that uh, around, over the, six months to a year, I would say, hey, I, like we used to see Joel and his girlfriend on Instagram all the time, and like we don't see it anymore. And somebody was like, I, she's barely posting anything and she doesn't like his, his, uh, his pictures and yada, yada, yada. So there were people that had asked me if they were still together. And I asked a couple of times and I, somebody told me they were definitely still together. Um, I guess all we ever see of her though is that, like, I don't, I know she's a model. I don't know like if she's a working model or, or what, but like, I only see her when Joel posts stuff of her. So it, I guess it's easy for her to hide. Um, and I, I assume she lives in Philly. I, I don't know. You would think somebody would have seen her around. 
I guess is all. But it also helps that nobody was anywhere for the last six months. Um, so I guess somebody wouldn't have thought it was strange that that they didn't see her around. I don't know. Congratulations, Joelle. That's awesome. Yeah. What a nice, what a nice piece of news. So this, if the Sixers were still, I mean, this happened during the Eastern Conference Finals. I assume that he would have left. I cannot imagine the reaction. I mean, obviously, a lot of people would have been supportive. <laughs> but if he, I'm just thinking about it. If he would have left and they lost in the time he was gone, because like, I think he probably would have been gone for, what's the rule? I, th- I think it's basically a week. Maybe if you get tested every day, you can come back in 48 hours or something after you come back. I don't know. Just the world in which Joel leaves for the baby, which is always a hot takey sports thing anyway. Yeah. Um, if this now we obviously didn't have to worry about it. Maybe Joel was seeing to that <laughs> during the uh, during the Boston series. I can only imagine what was going on during his head coming down here or down there to Orlando, knowing when she was due. You know, um, I yeah. don't know. I can just he, he didn't want to play. You know, he didn't want to come. But that's what that he was, said. Yeah. That was like a. An interesting, like, oh, I would have thought that he would have wanted to do this. Right. Um, but for sure this has a, that's just a guess based on his personality, but mm-hmm. for sure the fact that his girlfriend was pregnant uh, is uh, revealing. Um, if he left, so Gordon Hayward just had a kid, and because he was, like, out with an injury and back home with his wife, mm-hmm. He for a few leave. weeks before he did not leave for the birth of his kid. I think it's, and it's his also third his fourth. Kid? It's his fourth, fourth kid. Okay, yeah. Um, and also he's Gordon Hayward. He fucking sucks. Um, so whatever. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It would it would be tough. It would be uh, you know the everyone. It'd be a nightmare. It'd be a nightmare yeah. uh, in the Philadelphia sports media, and it would be a real. I mean, I know, I know every single person who, basically, every single person that I follow on Twitter would be like, "Good for Joel." So this proud is of him. Proud of him. He's yeah. our guy. Whatever. And then there'd be like the assholes who are, you know, would say he's weak and doesn't have what it takes and. Well, Whatever. I, I wouldn't say he doesn't have what it takes, but there would be a big part of me that would have been like, hey, dude, if you knew this was going on, like, I don't know. I like. What, what do you mean if be, you knew this was going on? Well, if he, I, I guess the, Gordon Hayward going into it, I, like I don't want to. It didn't happen, so I, I like I don't want to take a, a bad position on something that didn't even happen. No, but, but you're already there. Go keep going. Keep okay. going. Gordon Hayward, everyone knew, right? Like, he went to the bubble and, like, or, like even Zach Wheeler with baseball was like, look, I, I'm, if, if you're telling me I can't play baseball for two weeks afterwards, sh- you're shit out of luck. I'm going to be with my wife. I understand. You're saying that people, that, that Gordon Hayward, it was common knowledge that his wife was pregnant. They were going in. the fact it. that Embiid was hiding it. Okay, so right. in, in that version, I would, I would have guessed Embiid would have said something. To his had teammates. They w- and had his, they won, like, the first round saying, like, hey, my what, you know, well, this is well, something to watch out for, some sort of thing. I don't even care that I would have known or, or that fans would have known. I, I think as long as the team knew, 
then I think it's fine. Otherwise, I think it's sort of unfair to the. Do you think? Do you think the t- the team knew like his teammates? Do you think he knew he was? Yeah, I I don't think he would have hid that. I like he's he has to be at least close enough to somebody. Like Josh Richardson knew. Like they were hanging he out did. all the. Well, I I don't know that he knew, but like he was with Josh Richardson a bunch uh, toward the end of quarantine. Like they were they were looking for a place to like go play soccer and train and right. that sort of stuff together. So. Um, so I, I would assume somebody like Richardson knew because he yeah. was around him enough. So. Yeah, it would be it would be uh, an absolute civil war in Philadelphia sports yeah. media. Um, I mean, it would have been great. That part. the dividing lines would have been exactly on the same yeah. dividers of where the process people yeah. liking the process and didn't. Yeah. Um, of course, I would have loved for him to not. You know, in the in a world where the Sixers won, which is a hard to fathom because that you know hasn't yeah. happened. Um, they didn't even win a game. Much yeah, didn't win a game. Series. So yeah. we're, again, we're you know this hypothetical is really running. As we already did a hardened hypothetical. This is a really pathetic yeah. podcast we're doing right yeah, now. Yeah, I really. Hey, if the Sixers had won more than zero games, <laughs> and maybe even a couple more than that, uh, do you think that maybe he would have left, and would people have been mad? Yeah, <laughs> would have been pretty good. Would have been pretty good. I would. I would like to peek into that timeline and yep. imagine me just like railing against. I don't know, fucking Tony Bruno or somebody yeah. who just said he doesn't have what it takes. Uh, congratulations to Jonathan, who won the autographed pair of Under Armour and Bead Ones for his submission for what the process meant to him. It was a pretty clear victory. We did rank choice voting in honor of Andrew Yang. So you had to pick your one through three, but Jonathan was the pretty clear winner. The process means to me, he says, the process is a movement, it's a way of life, it's a cultural cultural phenomenon, it's the American dream. Start with nothing and try to end up on top of the world. The process is celebration, it's the best center in the league, it's a Turkish small forward hitting a game-winning three, it's championship aspirations. But the process is also heartbreak, it's a broken shot, a large-collared trust fund child, it's confetti on the losing court. What is the process, you ask? It's about more than just a sports team. The process is life. So, and he also with the shoes, he does get to uh, plant a big kiss on Joel's baby's head. Yep. Um, so excited to see that picture as well. Yeah, we'll need testing first, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. COVID testing, mm-hmm. all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, and, and and Joel will provide all of that. Yeah. Um, and and we'll allow be in touch. And, yeah, and let you know which part of the head you're allowed to kiss and all that right. stuff. So we'll we'll that'll that'll all work itself out. Yeah. We, uh, so thank you to Under Armour and remember the Embiid ones are on sale right now uh, wherever um, sneakers are sold. Uh, we've been getting a lot of relationship advice questions, and now that's the off season. I think it's a, a, pre- a segment we can do pretty regularly. We also have in the mailbag a question about relationship advice that I thought was interesting. So go to rights to Ricky Sanchez dot, or no, go to uh, send us an email, rights to Ricky Sanchez at gmail.com. Uh, relationship advice. I keep my heart under my Music is from Eliza Hardy-Jones of The Ricky. This comes from Dan. He says, Spike and Mike, first off, thank you for sacrificing your sanity so we can attempt to keep ours about the Sixers. So here's the situation. I'm a college student who, because of 
the apartment lease we signed last October is living with my now ex-girlfriend and two of our friends who will be coming next semester. We were very good friends before dating, dated for around six months and broke up due to a personal tragedy. We eventually went back to being friends, but it, it wasn't the same as there's still a degree of awkwardness to the whole situation. I've been texting this girl I met on a dating app who also happens to be near campus, my school is online for the semester, and would eventually be going on a few dates and coming back to my apartment. How do I go about telling this girl I live with, how do I go about telling this girl that I live with my ex-girlfriend and telling my ex that I'm bringing a new girl up? Don't worry, Mike, we've been very safe here. Thanks for your help. Fire Scott O'Neill, Alex Rucker, and Ned Cohen. Every email must assure me that you're being safe. Being safe, yep. Mm -hmm. And not eating inside. Mm -hmm. um, well, you can eat inside. You can eat inside your own place. Yes, right. that's right. You can eat inside your own apartment. Right, right, right. That's, that, that I will allow. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, tough. Mm -hmm. uh, it depends on the kind of relationship you have with the ex that you live with. I would uh, uh, rectify that if possible. Um, I everybody has that time, and it happened to me as well when I was uh, when I was younger. When you break up with somebody and you still kind of are living with them for like a little bit longer, and that's a that's one of the definitely one of the most awkward like. I've Six weeks that. of my life. Yeah, it sounds um, horrible. So that's that's a, that's tough, and you like kind of in the moment you're like, well, I've gotten used to this. This feels pretty normal. But then you look back at it and be like, that was not normal. That was very odd. Uh, yeah. A real, real, real uh, blank period that I have no memories from at all. Um, yeah, I mean, I would try to. I'd first things first. I would try to uh, move out safely if possible, um, and then if. If you know, in, prior to that, I would have a conversation, so it's not, uh, so it's not that weird. I mean, it you know, it worked in Seinfeld. I'm watching, I'm rewatching Seinfeld now, and uh, they were like Jer forty, Jer and it's not real. <laughs> nah, that's fine. Jerry lets Elaine uh, go out with Keith Hernandez. That's great. Look, I think I think go with go with that. Go for the Jerry Elaine thing. Some tough love here. You got to move out. Like this, this is not going to work. I I I can't tell you how rare it is for the friends with the ex thing to exist in a, in a healthy way is rare. I'm not saying it's impossible, I'm saying it's rare. But then when you take that and say, oh, also I'm living with them, oh, also we're in our late teens and early 20s in college, look, it is possible that the girl that you're dating will be ultra cool about it and your ex will be ultra cool about it and everybody will be fine. Even if they're, even if they are, like you shouldn't be cool about it. It's right. just a, it's just a bizarre spot. Well, it's putting, it's putting both of them in a really tough situation. Because if I were your, the new girl that you're dating, and I knew that you're living with your ex girlfriend, every time you didn't text me back within three minutes, my mind, especially at that age, my mind would jump to like, I wonder if he's with her. And like every time I argued with you, I would like, it, it's not gonna work. <laughs> <laughs> can't you get out of the fucking like find somebody to sublet and move i i think you got to move and until you do my advice would be be honest with both of them don't bring her up go to her place i like i i just don't think there's any world in which you should be making them look at each other i just i just don't i i i think you got to go to her place 
and be on, overly honest and overly communicative. But the whole time, you got to be trying to get out of there. Or, you know, FaceTime, safer, socially distant, <laughs> a way to connect more, connect more on an emotional level before getting physical. Come on. It's um, great. It's the best. Or you could talk to the uh, official lawyer of the process, that is Cornblow and Cornblow, about breaking your lease. Maybe mm. he could find verbiage in the lease that uh, allows you to break the lease. Who there knows? Cornblow, our second longest sponsor, I believe, Adam Cornblow, the uh, the premier boutique um, uh, personal injury law firm in the Delaware Valley. They, actually, the home office is there in Jenkintown. I was over there. I thought about bothering him. Uh, I was in Jenkintown near the Cornblow offices earlier this week, but I did not have time to bother him. They've got offices all over the Delaware Valley, and you don't even have to go to the office. He'll come to you. Uh, and by the way, we say personal injury. Yes, personal injury law firm. That's what Cornblow and Cornblow has always done, and that's what they're fucking awesome at. But he's helped so many Ricky listeners with other legal issues, it, and, and he doesn't charge you anything unless he's doing actual work for you. So if you have a legal issue that you need, um, and the COVID thing has brought up a lot of legal issues. I actually went to him when my basement got flooded uh, at fucking insurance companies. Make sure that anything that might actually happen to you aren't in the policy. Thanks, insurance company. But Cornblow helped me out with that. Um, he's a good dude. He loves what he does. He's the best at what he does. His law firm's been there for 40 years. Him and his, par his parents started it. Now it's him and his mom. And like I said, any sort of personal injury, their their specialty is medical malpractice, but injured at work, uh, you know, slip and fall, uh, car accidents, all that stuff. If you're hurt at all and you think you might have a case, no need to be a hero about it. Call Cornblow, shoot him an email, no cost, until he gets you something. 215-576-7200, ask for Adam, or email Cornblow at Cornblow and Cornblow.com. Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. Um, before we get to the mailbag, I had a question for you. I actually uh, texted AU earlier this week uh, about it as a, I wanted to know what he thought. Do you think we should do the pro so Process Hall of Fame we've done at our live event the last two falls. Um, there won't be a live event this year, obviously, uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, probably you, the next live event is 2026 is my guess. That's right. Uh, do we do... Process Hall of Fame nominations, voting, and do like a live thing on Zoom or something, get a good charity and do our voting and have a, a nomination and inauguration ceremony online? Or do we wait till we can do it in person again? Uh, I don't know. This is worth, worth thinking about. Yeah. I, I feel like skipping a year, like I don't want to lose to the virus. Like we, we've done podcasts two a week since it started I, I feel like we can do this we can pull it off now it'll suck to not you know I, I feel like we could pull it off is, is all I'm saying yeah I mean I'm just thinking about the moment where we nominated Brett to the Process Hall of Fame and seeing his face when we and him grab my hand and mm -hmm. uh, almost my butt uh, <laughs> when he saw it go up it was, it's a cool thing and I think there's uh it would be a bummer to like miss out on some type of stupid thing like that with a bigger spectacle. Right. I, I could first, probably first talk thought. to, it would probably be funny. I could probably talk to underground arts or, um, 
I mean, I'm sure Rich would do it. Shout out to Underground Arts. They're having like food, they have food stuff. Like they sell uh, takeout food there uh, from local chefs every week. You should go to their Instagram and check it out. But I, I bet Rich at Underground Arts would like let me do it there and raise a banner with nobody in there if yeah, I maybe. wanted to. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it. I think it's, I think it's worth discussing is all. Speaking, speaking of AU, I, I, uh, I was a little under the influence the other night. And oh I had an idea for a column for him, and I emailed him. Okay. And he never responded, and now I'm reading it to be like, was it, was I, does it, was it, even remotely sensical? Do you want to hash it out on the pod? Let me just see. Let me just give it a read. Uh huh. Yeah. No, it's good. It's still good. Okay. I'll respond. Okay. I'll respond. Okay. I gave him a good idea. Every, I guess, would be the first time, but now maybe every once in a while. One of the things I always yell at with AU about is that he is non-committal even when it's a yes. So I text him and I was like, hey, what would you think about doing a, a Process Hall of Fame? Because he really loves the Process Hall of Fame. I think it might have been his idea. I can't remember. Uh, he really loves the Process Hall of Fame. And I was like, what, what do you think about doing it like virtually? And he was like, I wouldn't be against that. And I'm like, <laughs> AU, what the fuck does that even mean? You wouldn't be against it. Like, I, I, I assume you wouldn't rally against it but could you tell me whether you like it or not like what, what are we doing here so uh maybe it's better that he didn't respond to you i don't know no he will he will All right. i believe this is this is the call out this that's is that's right yeah mostly uh, because i just forgot that i had done it until you you mentioned AU. i was like did i email him wasn't that the other night yeah i th- uh so we'll go to the lorenzo brown mailbag um uh, the email address is writesrickysanchez at gmail.com. Remember, one basketball and one non-basketball. We are so backed up at this point since the season ended that we might have to do a pod that is strictly um, mailbag just to get through them. And maybe we ignore the what if Joel Embiid had a baby, had the team won eight games, and when they didn't win any in mm. that pod, we'll just do some mailbag stuff. So uh, mailbag, writesrickysanchez at gmail.com. The first question, wait, I lost it. Hang on. I'm sorry. Okay, this comes from Billy. Hey, guys, after listening to the last episode, is Dietrich the one who is secret banned? I have thought before, but Spike's rant makes it realistic. If he's not secret banned, is he now publicly banned? I think you basically just publicly banned him in, in well, one of your bigger meltdowns of late. I, I, I Well, I, I got mad that you were giving it any credence. I, <laughs> I, I have so much respect for you. That like I, I was I was like oh my god not Mike come on I love Dietrich I I like him as a bit I don't like that whatever I don't want to discuss it I am <laughs> it's not he, it's not Dietrich yeah it is not Dietrich he's not publicly banned I just have no interest in talking to him about it on the podcast <laughs> so he's not banned he's just not invited there is a a big difference there is there is some cachet that comes along with being banned I think you would agree he does not deserve that cachet wow Jesus <laughs> is what I would say. Um, this comes from Drew. Basketball question. Do you think Scott O'Neill shares Brian Colangelo's feelings about Joel Embiid? We know Brian hated Embiid from Burnergate. We know ownership and O'Neill are embarrassed by Hinky in the process and want to put that behind them. We know Embiid openly praises Hinky and his nickname is The Process. Does the front office want to ditch Embiid and build around Ben Simmons? Embiid is the last true symbol of the process. As long as he's on the team, no one will ever give the current front office full credit for the team's success. It will always be Hanky's process. Um, what do you think? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I absolutely, think absolutely, there. absolutely. Yeah. Yes. I yeah. think. I think. You know, I don't know what. Elton thinks or what? I don't think Elton shares that. That yeah, would be my or, guess. Or He's like not connected. Josh Harris, even like I don't know, but like Scott O'Neill, 
one hundred percent could have honestly could have just written all the all of the burner tweets. He could have written them all word for word. Uh, maybe he wouldn't have censored, but I don't know. But uh, that a hundred percent shared those opinions. Absolutely, it's very bizarre. We we talked about this uh, a couple podcasts ago, where it's like this organization every step of the way has made life more difficult on Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. Um, every time, and maybe it's because they just don't trust him to stay healthy, which obviously they have access to. Uh, you know health reports and injury history and all that stuff, medical stuff that that we don't. But uh, since he missed those two seasons, and then that that first season was uh, when they let him play in that Houston game mm-hmm. for against future coach Mike D'Antoni. By the way, um, after after making him like he was practicing for like weeks in between before they had announced that uh, before De- it was Derek that it was Bodner that broke the story that he had the the meniscus. Uh, the meniscus, right, right, right. Love it. Um, but since tho- that, those seasons, um, he's been relatively healthy. It's been, this is his, he has had three relatively healthy seasons in a row. Has it been perfect? No. No, yeah. Um, but it hasn't been, you know, as bad as it could have been. There was there was time, if you've been here this whole time, There's there were times during those first two Embiid years where it was like, what if he just never plays? And and he's played, and he's played pretty consistently. And uh, for if for whatever reason, Scott O'Neill or Brian's, you know, protégés still hold, like, a Meek Mill concert against him. He was, it was the Meek Mill concert that he was dancing at, right? Uh-huh, with his shirt off. Yeah. yeah. Um, Looked good, though, with his shirt off. I mean, Of course he does. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, then, uh, then they just need to like get over themselves. Maybe put in a blog post, Scott. Yeah. Uh, be where your, be where Joel's feet are. Or he, maybe, maybe be where your feet are. He goes, uh, Joel's feet should be in a different city than Philadelphia. Maybe that's where he finds. I bet Scott thinks that he's more important to the organization than Joel. I am sure he thinks he's more important than the to the organization than anybody else (laughs) in the organization. That would be my, my guess that he, uh, Non-basketball question from Drew. Neither of you guys strike me as Dungeons and Dragons guys, but I'm asking this anyway. Who do you think on the Sixers is most likely to play Dungeons and Dragons, and who would you most be interested in playing with if you had to sit down and play the game? I did play Dungeons and Dragons one time at in some kid's basement when I was in middle school. Uh, it was way too hard. There was way too much going on. I couldn't figure it out. I think the most likely Dungeons and Dragons player on the Sixers is Tobias Harris. Oh, Joel. Yeah. I kind of think he'd be into that. Hmm. And who would you want to play Dungeons and Dragons with? I mean, I'd want to play with Joel. He seems. Yeah, Tobias would be cool. It seems like. Seems like he might have better things to do. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I could see like one of the like I could see Shake. Maybe being into it. Yeah. Uh, I don't I know. I've never played it. Yeah. Uh, I have played uh, a decent amount of Settlers of Catan, though. What's that? Uh, it's like a... Uh, I'm not going to be able to explain it well. It's, it's, a, it's like a board game where you are trying to... It's a board game. Is this dork shit, man? It's a, I mean, it's a little dorky, but like it's cool. It's, it's like... It's... It's... Pro, it's <laughs> 
dorky in the in like the best sense. I'm I'm like pretty. Uh, this whole fucking thing is dorky. What are we doing? It's yeah, well, it's, the Sixers. That, but but our, we have to like make pretend that it isn't. That's the bit. Like, I don't we, know. Yeah. Bas- basketball is no less dorky than anything. Just because well, athletic I mean, people do it doesn't mean like being a fan of it is like not honestly inherently so, lame. Honestly, so many of the good players are not fucking cool at all. I mean, sure, yeah. From John in Denver, basketball question. Have you guys noticed that the quality of basketball minus the Sixers has been overall better in the bubble? Watching these games is making me think the NBA playoffs should never be played with fans in the stadium. Hear me out. Normally, when an away team is down 15 points in the fourth quarter, you don't usually see them coming back and winning the game or even getting close. In the bubble, however, it's a completely different story. Not only are the games just playing off of natural momentum, no fan momentum effect, I believe the refs are also making better calls during crunch time. Would we really have seen Denver come back from 3-1 in a back-to-back back-to-back series if they had to play in Utah or L.A.? I don't think so. Obviously, Dave Silver would never lose out on the revenues when the world is back to normal. But do you think Scott O'Neill would entertain this idea were he commissioner? Yeah, uh, I think the quality of basketball is slightly better. I don't agree with that the refs are making better calls. I think that the refs always just insert themselves into the game way too much. There should be way more no calls. It's very aggravating. Um, I don't know that it's... I mean, the basketball's better because I think they're, you're limiting travel. You're, limit, you're like well, limiting more, va- more variables, you know? Yeah. Um, I am interested in the idea of a midseason tournament type of thing where there are, like, multiple teams. You know, if there are bubble sites for, like, hey, it's the midseason tournament, whatever. Mm-hmm. It happens, you know, a third of the way through the season just to mix it up. And the winner of the midseason tournament gets to, like, Pick their playoff opponent. Like if there's some if there's some way to do that, yeah, like that'd be give awesome. them give them some like uh, incentive to win and try and stuff. Um, but because uh, I, I mean, March, there's nothing better than March Madness. So like it, giving it some level of 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 that kind of feel would be cool. And um, by the way, March Madness does have fans. Like, I, I don't think that the right. I don't think it's the fan. It's the lack no. of fans that are an issue. I I do miss the do miss the fans. I think the natural energy in the arena mm-hmm. it does lack. I mean, I and, I mean, it's not not that I'm not enjoying it, but I do feel like you're just like miss it. There's there should be, you know, these crazy swells of momentum and excitement and stuff, and you still feel it with watching the players play, but it's just not quite there. Yeah, I think, uh, and and by the way, as much as you miss it on TV, in the building it probably feels fucking weird and empty. Yeah. Like there's, they, they do a pretty good job on TV of making it feel like a normal basketball game. In the mm-hmm. building, I'm sure it doesn't feel that way at all. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, like, I don't like evening the playing field. I, I, the thing, one of the things I like about basketball is that the best teams tend to come through and it makes the regular season seem more, valuable to me and i think like one of the things that we've seen during these playoffs is an evening um because teams don't have to go on the road that i think is something that you should have to do to come through you know like i think earning home court advantage would is important um and i you know i I just think you 
seen it. So the fact that the Nuggets were able to do that and that the Heat are in the Eastern Conference Finals, I think all of this is a um, a product of that. I don't think it makes it better or worse, but to me, the value of being a good team is that you get to have more games at home, and I like that. Um, and I agree that one of the biggest things is the... Well, I think there's two things that make it better. First of all, they never have four months off before the playoffs to heal up. Yeah. You know, everybody but is coming it, yeah. off of an there 80 was a, There was a good amount of shaking the rust off, at least mm-hmm. in the... Uh, in the seating games, but yeah. No, I agree no but I mean, in a positive way, their bodies are fresher. Yeah. Like, I, I think that's one of the reasons it's better. Yeah. And I think the other thing is travel. Travel is an enormous, enormous difference in that. Right. And, and you can tell not only are there, like, some teams got worse from the time that the season ended to when the season started back up. And it's very clear, especially with Miami, that they took that time and got way better as a team. Like, I was not a believer in Miami. Um, in the regular season, and then once they played a couple seeding games, it's like this team looks different and is playing on a much higher level. And now here we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then non basketball question. This isn't really a question, rather an experience I had with Scott O'Neill. Here we go. And by the way, I read this and read this and read this and wanted to make sure that I wasn't like exposing anyone I shouldn't expose, and I'm not. My older sister actually babysat for Scott O'Neill's kids years ago, and he ended up getting her an internship working for the NBA. Mm. This, that's fine. Favors. This particular sister, I am one of five, has a completely different personality than my other siblings, and not in a good way. <laughs> she, she only cares about herself, and all of my other siblings agree she is the absolute worst. <laughs> My theory is that this may have been Scott's fault since his personality probably rubbed off on her. Wow. Great work by you two. I look forward to every pod. Wow. Wow. That's a stunning revelation. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're definitely getting into the, the Scott part of the, the mailbag. Um, b- before we do, um, uh, uh, Big Barker, dog beds, process pups. Big Barker dog beds all over the place, all over the Delaware Valley, all over the country. Of course, Klaus, we saw the picture on uh, Instagram once. Klaus, uh, DePaula, Hinky, and Bede. Uh, Joel's dog sleeps on a, a Big Barker. I don't know if he gave us permission to say that, but he put it on the Instagram and I saw it. So there you go. It's also neat. interesting that Joel had a kid, kept the DePaula, kept the Embiid, did yeah. not add the Hinky for Arthur. And that I think is maybe Questionable. a little bit disappointing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like that the kid and the dog are in the same. They they should be if the if the kid and the dog are gonna be related. They have to mm-hmm. have you know, they should have the same names. If you care about your dog the way that Joel Embiid cares about his kid, and you should, you should get a big barker. It's the only dog bed on the market that is a real bed that supports your dog's joints, that is positive for their health, that makes a real difference. It's been shown to Penn Vet showed it with a study that it, it improves their quality of life. And if you go to bigbarker.com/ricky. First of all, you get the dog bed, you get the process pup patch, but also you'll see Rebel on the bed. When the dog is on the bed, it does not sink to the floor. It's like a real mattress like you sleep on. It's probably better than the mattress that you sleep on, honestly. Your dog um, would be will be laughing at you and yes. your shitty mattress. <laughs> As he sleeps in luxury, he or she sleeps in luxury. Um, like even when I lay on Rebel's big barker, which is not quite big enough for me, it does not sink to the bottom and I weigh four times as much as Rebel. So um, 
Go to bigbarker.com slash Ricky, bigbarker.com slash Ricky. You get this, two process pup patches, and you get the best uh, bed that your dog could and will ever sleep on. Um, in addition, the thing's got a 10-year warranty, so if you're worried about the price, realize that this is going to be one of the last dog beds you ever buy. Um, if the foam flattens, they will replace it for free. A one-year at-home trial, if you don't like it, if the dog won't sleep on it, they'll give you a free refund. They will, a free refund, a full refund, um, and they will even pay for the shipping. Handmade in the USA. Big Barker dog beds. All right. This comes from Ryan. Hi, Spike, Mike, Amos, Zoe, Rebel, fire trucks going by Mike's apartment, etc. Quick question. I cannot remember the specific pod or how long ago it was, but I believe Spike mentioned that a member of the Sixers front office was writing a book. Spike seemed to have insider information, but did not digress on air. Is the Scott O'Neill book, uh, the uh, tome, is that that word? I don't know Mm -hmm. that word, T-O-M-E, the tome in question, or do we have another exciting self-congratulatory process book coming out from another member of our highly competent front office? So you sort of half remember what I said. What I said was there was another... Uh, book coming out that was um, influenced by the current front office uh, and is a very different fake recollection of the process. And it is not um, it is not Scott O'Neill's, though. I do. Is it it written by a member of someone who used to work for the Sixers? No, it's not. Is it written by a media member? I will say. Mm. Um, I think. the title, A Fake Recollection of the Process. Yeah. I, I think that a lot of this information came from Scott. That is my guess, in that the Sixers basically tell everybody not to talk to anyone about the... They, they make them to sign NDAs. Um, Derek can attest to this. It's very difficult to get anyone to talk about this. So if somebody at the Sixers is talking about it right now, it will be leaned toward whoever is still there. So it is not um, Scott O'Neill. <laughs> and... Uh, the, uh, his an oral an oral retelling of the process from the people who fucked it up. Right, that should <laughs> that, be the title. That and that honestly, can't wait for that to hit the shelves. That'll I will, fly. I will, re- I will read that quicker than I read your own. Honestly, <laughs> I will be. I will buy it. I'll pay for it. I will not. If that is my Sixers related question, I guess my non basketball question is: What will be one quote normal activity you're looking forward to most once this thing all passes? Eating out at restaurants, movies, mine is easy. I cannot wait for my first concert after all of this. Peace, love, and process. What is the one thing that you miss the most? Playing basketball. Oh, really? Yeah. So much. I can imagine. Yeah. I. Mine was, I mean, I'm taking out like being physically close to family, like a, that, that, that I'll, I'll take out. But if we're just talking about activities. I only was, care about being physically close to family if I'm playing them in basketball. Playing basketball. <laughs> just, just fucking owning your dad in the local. <laughs> no, he's good. Dad can still play. <laughs> um, I, mine now is live music. I was talking with uh, Tommy from Down the Shore, uh, also known as Mootlu, about shows. And he, um, I listened to an album of his that he liked, a live record from the 70s. And it did make me miss the experience of live music. And I, I've been to so many, you know, 15 years of my career was uh, music radio. And before that, a lot of shows and a lot of shows since. And I would say at this point in my life, they're not monthly, but probably six or seven times a year at least. Uh, and I do miss it. I do miss that experience. And for the musicians, obviously, I miss them losing their entire revenue stream. Uh, but I miss, I miss going. This comes... Excuse me, from Zach. Man, we have so many. Um, 
Thanks for everything you do. Looking forward to a long off season, both for your content and for my mental health. Oh, by the way, I want to go back. One of the reasons you think the basketball is better in the bubble is because it you, you're, it doesn't fucking matter to you in a true emotional way. Oh, like that's right. Just, also, you're just not watching the Sixers. And you're not watching. They yeah. play bad. They play poorly. Yeah. My basketball question is, should we be concerned that Thin Lips Josh Harris and his squad will somehow take comfort in the Clippers implosion and the Rockets' shoddy performance in the bubble and convince themselves that they don't need to do anything radical with the Sixers? Yes. I was already worried that between Ben being out and the bubble being weird, they may not take our playoff woes seriously uh, as they should this year. As they continue to drag their feet on any meaningful front office change, I'm even more concerned that other teams' failures will give them cover to maintain the status quo. It's completely logical, but also the type of thing these dipshits would do. I would add if the Lakers win a championship or even just getting to the championship, they're like, hey, they play with big guys. Mm -hmm. That's what they do. So we could have been. A couple balls bounce differently. I don't think that the Sixers need to, like, totally tear down the roster i just think they need to add good players to it who are more comfortable shooting quickly and And dribbling and dribbling would also be nice would be great yeah uh and by the way if lebron and anthony davis win like the the lebron one is everybody's fucking excuse for everybody who fails is like well it was lebron this year, you know, it was LeBron's year, you know, <laughs> and that's why we lost to the Celtics in four games. Yes. Can't, can't, Hey, maybe somebody else would have gotten hurt. You never know. Maybe it was a blessing in disguise. Non-basketball question. I already know your amazing answer. I wish I could write it down. If you guys were forced to do another non-Ricky podcast about a single top, a, si- a single topic that wasn't basketball, what would it be? Obviously you've always covered a wide range of non-basketball topics, but if you had to pick just one to focus on almost exclusively, what would make the most sense? Mike doesn't like talking about TV or music, (laughs) although I happen to like his music takes, but do you have enough common ground on any other topic to do two different shows a week? The two of us. The two of us, right? Okay. My vote would be for either bowling or relationship advice. You you say you know my answer. I don't think I know my answer. Well, I believe your answer would be, there's no way I would do another podcast with you every week. <laughs> uh, I mean, as in like, oh, do you mean like, this is the Ricky, and then we do another thing in right. addition to that? Oh, yeah, there's no way I would do another podcast <laughs> <See>? with anyone, <laughs> with anyone at all. Uh, that's right. Um, but if, if, if you yep. took the Ricky away and said, no Sixers, something right. else, what do people even have podcasts about? All sorts of stuff, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't think we have. I mean, the Phillies. That's pretty obvious. Yeah, I mean, I would do a, a base. It may, it's because of what I have to do with WIP. It it makes it impossible for me to give like real Phillies opinions all the time because mm-hmm. I we air the games and I'm um, uh, ambassador. Um, You're an ambassador. So, well, I mean, like for the radio station to the team. Yeah, sure. it's just, you know, it's just sort of the, the gig. But uh, I'm hoping that the Phillies don't make the playoffs because what it would love. save me so much time and energy. But also, if they do make the playoffs, if they happen to sweep the last two games and the Giants go one and one or whatever. Yep. And it's Phillies Dodgers in the first round. Honestly, worse than the Phillies losing in, in two games to the Dodgers would be the Phillies beating the Dodgers. Uh, and Alyssa being Alyssa. pissed, mm-hmm. and then the Phillies lo- losing in four games to fucking the Reds or something, whoever. Yep. So, yeah. I, I mean, it was just, what an awful, what an awful team. There's obviously good players on the team that I like a lot, 
Um, and I like the, I'm a, always been a big uh, Phillies prospect head. Shout out uh, Matt Winkleman. Um, but man, what a, what a horrible team. And they're so, it's amazing that the Phillies and Sixers, the Eagles are their own kind of brand of dysfunction. But the Phillies and Sixers are, are very similar in a bunch of ways, and uh, it's just not a it's not a good time. Yeah, I I sort of um, one thing I wondered. We were talking at work. I said, you know how there's like always one building somewhere where like no matter what business moves in, it like it doesn't work. Like, right, and that's the city of Philadelphia with sports. Well, it's sort of like I was like, well. They change the manager. They change a lot of the bit players around the core. Like, is there there's something like, 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 cursed about <laughs> this core? They I just don't I develop like, players well enough. Yeah, the, I well, mean, that, that's they're, been obvious. There, there, even the guy on the Rays last night, I forget his name, but he was on the Iron Pigs last year, and he like couldn't pitch for shit. And oh, then Charlie, Charlie, what's his name? Well, Charlie Star- Morton also different yeah. different situation. But he was a uh, Philly, yeah. right? He was on the Phillies as well. But there was another guy. Like there's just guys that the Phillies like. Oh yeah, he sucked. He's useless. We're, we couldn't figure it out. And then he go on to succeed elsewhere. And it's just like, how many times does that have to happen? And when do we ever get that from other people? Like I feel like that hasn't happened since Jason Worth. I mean, just what a right. Well, and yeah, Worth and Victorino was Rule Five. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, baseball. Yeah, I mean the worst. The the worst. We could do a baseball podcast. The the yeah. worst bullpen of all time. It's just shocking. How, how many seasons of baseball has there been? And right now we are watching the worst bullpen of all time. Jason Stark tweeted last night. They have eleven saves and fourteen blown saves. Amazing. I, it hard it's to do. Because even good closers, even bad closers, rather, like, oh, shit, he's our closer, ends the year with 28, like, obviously, this is a, a shorter season, but ends the year with 28 saves and, like, six blown saves, right? Like, it's never more blown than Remarkable. actually saving. Remarkable. Yeah. And really, and, like, it seems like this is the very, like, the Sixers should shoot more threes take, but, mm-hmm. like, the Phillies need to have guys who throw faster. Mm-hmm. They're throwing, it's like, hey, he hits 92, and it's like not much movement and not really great placement. And people can hit that. And then you put in Connor Brogdon last night. He hits 97. He strikes out the side. Like there's guys just like get guys who throw faster. What are we doing? Well, ah, the w- Phillies. This is a Phillies podcast. Yeah. He, I was, so Jack, our, our own Jack Fritz does a, a Phillies podcast with James Seltzer called High Hope. So I talked to Jack. Jack's a big like prospect guy. And when, uh, what's his name? Uh, the Spencer Howard came up. And everybody was like super excited. I watched the first time and I was like, yo, bro, I mean, like, I don't know. Like, like this doesn't pop. And it was it was really just like the velocity. I was just, can we just doesn't everybody throw 98 miles an hour now? Kind of, what, what am I missing? I like how uh, he pop, he pops to me. And I'm excited mm-hmm. about Medina still. I love Jojo out of the pen. Jojo I like. He's I great. How, but apparently Howard throws harder than he has been yeah, yeah. throwing. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to get to a couple of the, um, there's been so many uh, wiping and sitting things. I, <laughs> I I feel like we have to get to some of this. This is from Bron. Hey, guys. Somebody told for- me that they wa- they stand, someone told me that. There's someone so, else. Like, people are coming out of the woodwork to say they did yes. this. And I just, I want them to know you should be shamed into not telling me this. Yeah, so I brought it up to our midday show at IP, and I'm in the room. With, I'm not going to expose who was who. So I'm in the room with James Seltzer, Joe DeCamera, John. And the room, the room is the bathroom, right? 
Yeah, we're, we're all watching each other wipe. Mm-hmm. We're, we're actually in a large conference room at work. This is how it works. Wearing masks like 10 feet away from each other. It's a very strange world. Um, but it's me, Richie, DeCamera, Seltzer, and uh, my assistant program director, uh, Jack Keffer. And I said, hey, guys, this thing's been happening on my podcast, this start, sitting and standing thing. And I said, can you believe that some people stand after number two? And I got that deer in the headlights look from a couple of them. And I'm like, oh no, you stand? And I would, two of the five people I was in the room with, <laughs> two of the four people, I'm sorry, stand. And like we did way, a whole- Way to go not outing them. I yes. only name, I only do them and now all of them are implicated as standers. <laughs> That's like the, the Grantland thing. <laughs> like the former Grantland writer who was shamed in the sitting. Ridiculous. Um, I, the, the turning around is the even, even it's wider so thing. It's so fucking insane. Stand up, turn around, walk outside, and then go for a lap to clear it out, and air and out your butthole, and then you may commence wiping from there. We did a poll on the Ricky Twitter, but like one person suggested in his email, it's about 40%. We got about 40% saying they were standing. What? Amos, yes, Amos texted me that he could see a world in which a woman would have a different experience given the, the equipment down there. He goes, but as a man, I cannot think of a reason to stand. I, I just want to say standing is different than hovering. Yes. Hovering is fine. Hovering yes. is human, acceptable, whatever leverage right. you need to get, go for it. Mm-hmm. But a full stand, is, locking is, your knees. It's wrong. I don't know what your parents taught you. Who is poisoning these children yep. to grow up to be standers for their whole Maybe. life? Maybe nobody's teaching anybody anything is the problem. I, I think like there might not be any education and kids are figuring this out on yeah. their own. Well, it's like a th- like a four year old. You stand up because you're proud. I did it. Right. Look at what I did. Yes. So but in, this, when you're like 38, like, you know, stay seated, pal. So this comes from Bron. I have a new layer to the wiping saga. I think it's significantly more complicated than is being discussed. Here are the options. Sit and fold. Sit and scrunch. Stand and fold. Stand and scrunch. Additionally, do you wipe bottom to top or top to bottom? These are all the questions and preferences in the wiping formula. Sit and fold or sit and scrunch, like as in like with the toilet paper? Mm-hmm. I go both, kind of whatever. I, yeah, I, I sometimes I'll fold and sometimes I'll scrunch. Yeah. Uh, it depends on the style of toilet paper. And I also don't have a real religious bottom to top. I think... I think bottom to top generally. When you say bottom, do you mean back to front? Uh, I'm I'm front. Butthole to, to tailbone. The tailbone is the back. Okay, then back is second. Yes, that's what I do. I do front to back. That that would be how I do it. So this comes from uh, Devin. Great stuff, guys. Yes, just feeling the need to speak out on this issue. I was a standing wiper for years. <laughs> how many people are doing this? <laughs> for, for whatever reason, wiping my sitting never occurred to me. I guess I the other also, podcast that we're doing together is a butthole podcast. I guess this is what we're... Well, I mean, you, you have a lot of th- thoughts, I think. Um, I was also never told by anyone, my parents or otherwise, how I should be wiping. This only changed when in college, in uh, Synecdoche, 
New the York. The movie Synecdoche, New York, yeah. Synecdoche, New York. I, I don't know the movie. Starring Philip Seymour Hoffman. Toward the end of the movie, Hoffman's character is being directed by a person speaking to him through an earbud. There's a shot of him sitting on a toilet, and the director tells him, wipe yourself. And then he does, all italicized, without standing up. <laughs> This was a revelation to me, and I have never looked back. I can no longer remember the person who thought wiping with standing was okay. I hope my standing wiper brothers and sisters realize it's never too late to admit you were wrong <laughs> and try to zig while the rest of the lead zagged. The rest of the league zagged. They're zagging for a reason. Come zag with us. Wow. Well, um, I, now it's like, you know... You think about yourself as a as a filmmaker, as a TV writer, or whatever, and you're like, I want to put good things into the world, mm-hmm. and you know, just positive, generally positive uh, vibes mm-hmm. or whatever. And now I have to be like, I should put more sitting wiping in my stuff. Yeah, so you that should. it's it's a thing. It educates people and saves them from this odd, childish, presentational demise that they're doing. Final email comes from Dan. First basketball, the Sixers were to run it back with essentially the same team from last year, but had Nick Nurse, or whoever you think the best coach in the league is, as coach, what do you think their record and playoff outcome would be? A lot of people came into this year thinking they had the chance to be good, so, so if scheme and effort are fixed, where do they land? So what is the best version of this with the best coach? I'm curious who you think, who you would pick. Uh, I mean, I think Spolster's up there. I think he's mm-hmm. a very good coach. I do think Nick Nurse is good. Stevens, if he gets fired, maybe they wait. No, um, no, I don't think Brad Stevens is a good coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, until this, I I was willing to. I st- I always thought Doc was a good coach, but that's mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of blown situations here. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you could add Steve Kerr. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't think that they would be much better. It it I I do think that I I. I don't claim to think that Brett is one of the best coaches in the league. I always thought he was in the like f- totally fine like you know 9 to 20 range. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't think with the with the roster as is and what they I mean maybe another coach could have gotten through to guys to do different things, but assuming that their skill sets are the same and it's just like mm-hmm. where to place players and substitution patterns like I I don't think that would have been much better. Yeah, um, I think uh, I think there's a lot of good coaches. I, I agree with you. They were on a pace to win like 49 or 50 games. Yeah, and I think maybe the the ceiling was 53 or 54, and maybe they win around instead of you know assuming Simmons is there and stuff like that. But I think it's not only the roster, but like when the roster was created. I think like if a good coach has two years with them and this roster is the same for two years, it gives them a better chance than the, the one year. Um, and from Dan, and the non, uh, non-basketball question, and fitting that we end on this, sitting versus standing. When I was a senior in high school, 12 years ago now, we were partying at a friend's house, and somehow we got into the wiping, standing versus sitting discussion with our friend's older brother. I, too, was baffled that anybody could possibly stand while they wiped. Since then... I've polled a few groups of friends on their wiping habits. I would say among the people I've polled, 30 to 40 in total, mostly male, it's about a 60-40 split between sitting and standing wiping. I'm consistently blown away by the consistency of the results between different groups of people. Wild stuff. First time emailer, long time listener. I don't get it. 40% is too high. That's way too high. 
Yeah, for wrong. the amount of particles you're getting on like your wall oh, or the towel or the you know your rug, anything. Not not to be gross, Mike, but like by standing, I'm sorry, this is gross. By standing, you're pressing the cheeks together and like making a bigger mess of it, and and you have less access. I don't understand. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's just wrong. It's the wrong way to do it. And then why do you even sit? To poop. Right. And just stand like, to poop. Stay standing the whole time. Walk around. Don't even stop. <laughs> Keep moving. <laughs> you you've heard of the squatty potty, right? Yes. And, and basically what the squatty potty does is it basically tells you that like the best way to go number two is to have your knees up and everything sort of spread out more. Right. The squatty potty doesn't just tell you to stand up. Right. I have uh, to I have to recommend my my good friend uh, his podcast. Uh, it's called Duty Calls. Uh, it's Duty Calls with Doug Mand. Uh, he's a Philly guy. Uh, he, I believe he listens to this podcast still. Um, and uh, he was a writer on How I Met Your Mother uh, when I was there. And uh, he has a bunch of comedians come on to talk about their uh, favorite and most horrifying shit stories. And it's really, oh. really funny. And you, he hasn't done episodes in a few years, but they're still. I think they're still all there. It's really, gotta, really good. A lot of great, great, great stories from uh, some famous people that shouldn't be talking about uh, so much embarrassing stuff, but really good. Duty Calls with Doug Mann. Do you think we could have him on to talk about the standing sitting thing? Yeah, I think we could. Okay. I think we right. could indeed. Reach out. I would love to just solve this with okay. an expert. Okay, maybe we get a doctor too. I'll get a doctor, and we'll just we'll just do an episode all on it. The regular season's not going to start till February or March. We got. We'll time. see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll yeah, see. Yeah. Let's see how yeah. Doug goes, and we can go right. into doctor doctor mode right. later. All right, you done with TTP? Yeah, you know lick face. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I, then won't, I won't fuck, fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I, then I won't, won't fuck, fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you! Thanks for playing.